Welcome to episode 137 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, I just recently discovered, I know I've talked to you guys a lot about using YouTube in therapy and that I like using YouTube. It breaks it up, gives the kids someone else that they're learning from sometimes. And this week, just barely, I discovered, um, I knew about Khan Academy as far as like, I've used, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of teachers use it for teaching math, but they have a whole series of English language arts videos too on YouTube. And I've used two of those this week in sessions. One was on context clues and it was really helpful. And I think it worked great with a lot of my students. And then the other one that I used was about, I have a couple students that, we're just kind of have some goals hanging out about like um, giving presentations and doing better at giving presentations uh, just because they're working on social goals, but we need something that's still relevant to their edge at the classroom. So we've been working on that and they had a great present um, presentation and video on that. So I think looking at some of those are great. Um, I also, some of the things I do to kind of customize a video for my students too is, you know, pausing it often and checking in and asking them questions. I don't just hit play and then like sit there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and kind of that lets you adjust it for wherever your student is at because I used the same video that I would for a fifth grader for like a Mm -hmm. senior and just kind of stop it more often, give more examples, things like that. Um, And you can also, I don't necessarily use it with these videos, but with other videos, adjusting the playback speed can be really helpful for students too. If it's something where they're like maybe following action, slowing that playback Mm -hmm. speed But also if I'm like trying to hurry and preview a whole video before I show it to a student, (laughs) which you should always do, um, I will adjust the the playback speed up so I can get through, like listen to that whole video in half the time and know just the general content of what's in there. Uh, So that's something I use too to kind of make those more customized. Yeah, those are great ideas. Yeah, I kind of forgot about Khan Academy. I got a lot of press when it you know, first few years it was out, you know, right. people were using it and school districts were using it. And, mm-hmm. and I remember like Bill Gates was behind it and was like, this is the next big thing for education is the Khan Academy and all that stuff, right. which is wonderful. But uh, so, I, you know, I hadn't even thought about maybe using some of those videos. I know. For... I was just, I was looking for a different video that I had used mm-hmm. before and just search context clues and the Khan Academy came up and I was like, oh, yeah. Those guys are good. <laughs> yeah, because I, ha- I have some some older kids that I'm working with that that could probably use some of yeah. that. So I'll definitely take a look at that. Thank you for for reminding me of, yeah. of Khan Academy. So we have a returning guest today, but someone we, we haven't talked to in a very long time. Very long time. Yeah, I think she was probably one of our first 20, if not one of our mm-hmm. first 10 episodes. That's right. <laughs> so we have Stacy Faff on today. She um, runs my teletherapy room uh, Instagram page and blog and is just doing great things with moving into some leadership roles in telepractice and is going to talk to us about all of that. Wonderful. Good to see her. 
Hi, are you creative? Do you want to give a webinar or teach a course? Maybe you're a writer. Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So, to get started, visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform. Hey, we want to welcome back Stacy Faff to the podcast. She was one of our kind of OG episodes <laughs> way back when, and we're glad to have her back. So Stacy, share some of your um, background and how you got into being a speech language pathologist. Of course. Well, thank you so much for inviting me back. I'm grateful to be here. Um, so I have been a speech pathologist with my C since 2004. I've worked in a variety of settings. I worked in um, preschool, um, K through um, 12th grade, um, just in the educational setting. Most of my career, I've been in, in education. Um, in 2017, we transitioned to Omaha, Nebraska. My husband took a new job and we I had a young family, still some kiddos in preschool. I was really nervous about going back to um, work in the public sector out of the home because I was wanting to support my children. And so at that time, I had done a little research and looking at teletherapy. Um, it was going to be very short term um, until my son got through preschool and back into kindergarten. Then I was going to hop back into the public schools. I loved the public schools tremendously, had a lot of um, fulfillment professionally working in that setting. But um, lo and behold, I'm still um, working remotely. My career path changed significantly. Teletherapy really opened the door for me um, in so many ways as far as seeing the opportunities for service delivery in this manner, manner you know, working virtually and remotely. Um, and then it also provided opportunities in my career as well. So I served as a teletherapist for three or four years. Um, I, I also had the opportunity to move into a leadership position, um, supporting clinicians who are teletherapists, but I moved into more of a management role. So I mentored them and coached them. And currently I'm working for a company um, based out of New Hampshire. It's called Boothby Therapy Services as a related service manager. So my current role supports a little less teletherapy, um, but we do provide remote services. But the majority of my job right now is really mentoring clinical fellows um, and other providers in the brick and mortar setting. But what I love about my um, experience with teletherapy is I'm bringing something innovative to the company. And that's just really using technology in your therapy sessions and then also kind of bringing ideas for their remote um, therapy program that they have currently as well. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. That's great. You've been up to a lot since the last time we talked to you. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so um, go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> so with your with the company you have now, um, you're doing a lot of mentoring of of new new hires, uh, students who've come out new. So CFYs, have yeah. you are you using technology to do that to do the mentoring? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, we are. So I live in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, Boothby Therapy Services is based out of New Hampshire. So um, I do travel there quarterly. So I have opportunities to do on-site mentorship and um, observations as appropriately. And then I do um, weekly meetings with them remotely. Um, so I'll review evaluation reports or, um, you know, IEPs, just sharing it to me over in Google, you know, the, the sky's the limit with technology. And then I'm also able to remote in on some um, observations as well as appropriate. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And I think that's a, a good way for people to kind of think differently about how uh, even SLPAs or CFYs will get um, mentored and how that can happen. And I wish they had had that when I was starting mine. We I, we had to hire somebody because I talked about North Carolina and their rules last week too. But <laughs> another right. one, I had one that they said that the person that was mentoring me had to be within 50 miles of me at all times. <laughs> and there was no one that worked for the company that I worked for that lived within 50 miles. So they had to hire a third party person to come and be my CFY supervisor. And it was someone who the population I was working with was early intervention and students who were deaf and hard of hearing. And this person had not worked with either of those populations <laughs> and was my supervisor. So, so it didn't work out so well. And so I hope that, you know, kind of rules will catch up with technology as far as supervision mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah, I think it really is. Um, and COVID opened the door right. <laughs> yes. for opportunities to see that it can work. You know, it doesn't work in all situations and, you know, we're receptive to that and we adjust and 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 make it work. But um, technology has been really just even meeting, you know, you don't have to go on site to have a meeting with your provider. You can just hop on Zoom and you can screen share and you can talk about, you know, anything that you need to talk about. A lot of things I share with the clinicians that I support is done via screen sharing and um, mm -hmm. just through it in general. Yeah. So, so it, what have you noticed about those graduates coming out? Are they more willing to use technology to want to try telepractice? Any insights on that? Yeah, I think that new grads are definitely more in tune to technology um, than I was when I was a new grad. And of course, you know, that was quite a while ago, but they're willing to try anything in general. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Yeah. My, my grad students, you know, they laugh when I tell them, I remember when internet was invented and all that stuff. So uh, <laughs> I yeah. tell my own kids sometimes that I'm older than Google <laughs> to right. watch their eyes right. bug out of their head. <laughs> They were like, I remember you know, getting online with America Online. And they're like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> <I> go, well. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. It's you know, they're like, what? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. As they text something, you know, in their phones. So, you know, it's it's always been, you know, one of my areas, you know, being on faculty and, and trying to train the next generation. Um, any any ideas of what they need more of, more experience maybe with telepractice before they graduate? Um, you know, I think in general, in order to be successful with any telepractice position, those clinical foundational skills that they learn in grad school is really what they need. Mm -hmm. um, and then bringing in any 
any resources to make the technology part go smoother. So when I worked for Pearson Virtual Schools and um, prior to moving to Boothby, we did a lot of onboarding of clinicians. Mm-hmm. And regardless if they had one year of experience in telepractice versus 20 years of experience in telepractice, um, the technology part and just learning how to do it remotely was the most stressful. Um, and I could see it in their eyes. Their their brains are just truly overwhelmed with mm-hmm. information um, with the technology piece. So, you know, how do I log on to Zoom? And it's really simple. We all know how to log on to Zoom, but then I need to bring in that clinical element. So just really working through that, tying in some of that technology pieces is so important as far as getting through how do I screen share? How do I um, use the annotation tools? And a lot of people use Zoom, but they're not interactive mm-hmm. with, with it. They're not interactive presenters. Um, and they're not really engaged in it in that manner. So like right now we're on Zoom, we're just talking, but I don't have to screen share and multitask when I'm trying to teach these skills. So I think that's the part that's really o- overwhelming for new clinicians and even anyone transitioning into telepractice is that piece. And I, I've seen it over and over again with just working on somebody transitioning to the setting. Yeah. Right. And I feel like the only way to really get that is to do it, which yeah. is so hard. Like, it's not something that you can just teach people how to do. You really have to get it by doing it. And I still like have days where I'm like, okay, where's all of my stuff on my computer <laughs> and kind of have fails there or days when I wish I could turn off some of the features of Zoom. I just got out of a session with seventh graders who were having way too much fun changing their backgrounds oh, and yeah. using the emojis. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want to turn all of these options off for my students. So if there's a way, someone let me know. (laughs) Exactly. And I think just setting them their expectations, you know, that you don't have to have these fancy, you know, elaborate therapy sessions to meet their goals. I mean, the end point is to have them make progress for their speech and language goals and be independent with their skills. You know, you don't need, you need to motivate your students. You know, absolutely. You can do that through technology, but you know, it's okay if, if you don't screen share and use all the fancy gadgets and the, and all that as well. And that's, that's the same for in-person therapy. I feel as well. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. It's okay to, to scale back a little bit. So your other hat that you kind of wear is running my teletherapy room. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So tell us about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Thank you. I forgot to mention that in my introduction. <laughs> yes. I love to create digital resources for um, clinicians to use in teletherapy. A lot of um, the products in my teacher pay teacher store is, you know, from the boom learning platform. Um, I'm starting to kind of create a few other um resources that are not on that platform, but I really found that I love Boom. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, I create a lot of resources. And then I'm also working on this year, especially my goals is to really get some more content out there on my blog um, with my teletherapy room. And I want to focus on, you know, lots of technology, tech tips. I love that. There's a lot of different little resources that I can share to make your job easier, you know, in teletherapy, but also as a a regular clinician who's not working in the teletherapy setting. And also now that the last couple of years, I fell into a leadership role. And um, one thing I found um, when leadership positions came open at, at some of my other positions is that 
I think a lot of people are really aspiring to mentor and coach at a certain point in their career, but I don't think there's a lot of resources out there as far as leadership training in our field that I've seen anyway, anywhere. Um, so I really kind of want to focus a little bit of my blog on um, how to kind of build leaders and clinicians. And there's a lot of ways that you can be a leadership in a leadership role as an SLP, you know, you can be a manager um, in a clinic, but you can also scale it back and not have so much responsibility in a way and just supervise SLAs. And what, what does a great leader look like? So I want to do some research, see what's out there in the field and kind of bring that a little bit into my blog as well, just because I'm really interested in that right now and making myself a better leader, but maybe giving other re- you know, resources to the people who read my blog. Yeah. And I think I was just going to say, I feel like Asha has recognized that there's a need in that area too. And they added the requirement that if you're going to supervise someone that you need some continuing education credits in that area of supervision. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. And I even noticed um, when I kind of transitioned to this, my new position is, is I think it's a really competitive position amongst SLPs, but also there there's not a lot of ways where we can get experience to move up the ladder, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, just because there's not a lot of, unless you get an additional degree outside speech therapy, but I don't bl- personally believe you need an additional degree to be a great leader. I just feel like you need some some skills to kind of practice and learn about and understand. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up and that you're going to share more resources on that because I I think that is, I think that the daily doing therapy can get too hard. And so a lot of people are looking eventually like, I want to get out of that. Someone called it the treadmill of daily therapy and it was <laughs> such a good description. So any tips for like someone that is kind of looking to jump into that leader, more of a leadership role? Yeah, I th- absolutely. Um, some things that I did personally and what I would recommend is just kind of grab some leadership books. You know, I love mm-hmm. Simon Sinek. I don't, I'm sure you probably follow mm-hmm. him. Um, Adam Grant. I've read a lot mm-hmm. of their books and just read about their leadership philosophy. From a clinical perspective, if you can have any opportunity to do mentoring, we had a mentor program um, at Pearson Virtual Schools where our um, clinicians could engage in that. They could choose to sign up and volunteer to be a mentor. That's a great way to get, you know, just some leadership experience on your resume. Supervising SLAs, if you have opportunities to supervise CFs. And then asking your manager that you're under, like, are there any projects that I can engage in that would benefit the department or my other fellow clinicians? And just really stepping outside of your everyday box of, you know, the regular therapy things and make yourself stand out, I think is great. If you have a passion for presenting, you know, get out there and sign up for conferences and present and you just have to step outside of your comfort zone and put yourself out there and show what your skills are. And you'll you will be recognized for sure. Those are great tips. That's for sure. And you have to start somewhere sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, And I think, you know, sometimes depending on the setting, you know, what what I've seen in academia especially is is sort of people kind of get into leadership positions because you're the last person there or the longest serving person and it's like your turn. And, and I think 
that's not always the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you really look, need to look at who's who has the right skill sets for, and and that's the person who should go forward. And that isn't always the case, you know. When you look at academia um, as a comparison, you know, people become professors, but they've never really had, you know, management experience, mm -hmm. you know, and they and they get into different roles and they have to manage other people and it, and sometimes they're a disaster and it, and it really suffers, you know, the program suffers. And I, and I see that too in clinical situations where people who've just kind of been in positions and then it's more based on personality of who gets into that role that, that gets to take that step in a, you know, to move up the ladder rather than looking at who is the best person who's really developed their skill sets to move up. So I, I'm, I really like this idea of having a for, more formalized process of developing leadership. And I think, you know, you uh, putting something like that together and really, you know, promoting that is, is really awesome. Cause I think many, many people across different settings could use that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. So we'll see. <laughs> I'll keep working and lo looking at my goals and hopefully I can bring it to fruition and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. And I just love that idea of sometimes we have to go outside of our profession to learn those other mm -hmm. skills instead of just looking, you know, thinking if I'm a good clinician, I'm going to be a good mentor and a good leader. That's right. Because yeah, those are different skill sets. Totally different. It, yep. it is. <laughs> I learned that so quickly. <laughs> and um, there's so many different situations you have to navigate and you learn through those situations. You know, I was, I, my first year as a manager, I just remember I had some just challenging situations. And um, when I got through it, I was so thankful for those experiences because it really opened my eyes and my perspectives and just helped me grow, you know, from those, from those moments. Um so you have to go through the hard stuff to get <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to grow, but it's definitely worth it. <laughs> and yes. surround yourself with good colleagues. Right. Um, people you can lean on and collaborate with and problem solve. <laughs> problem solving is huge in, in you know, leadership. Yeah. And and if you're not physically surrounded with good colleagues <laughs> in our telepractice world, then I think going and searching them out, doing things mm -hmm. like finding the people on, you know, Instagram who kind of like fit the your ideas of therapy and or going to conferences and meeting people. I think sometimes you have to be more intentional about building those co mm -hmm. that support system and coworkers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the networking, yeah. And sometimes yeah. look at the people that are being successful, doing the things that you want to do, mm -hmm. and just reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I like what you're doing. Can you talk to me about how you got started or what resources you can send my way? And, you know, and that's, you know, frankly, that's what I've I've done over the years is like, hey, you know, call people up out of the blue and Sometimes they slam the phone down and that's fine. But uh, other times, you know, you, you have good conversations and it leads to good, you know, good networking. Yeah. So, yeah. Always good. Yeah. So with regards to telepractice, you know, I was on your site today, as a matter of fact, and I even looking at your blog and the uh, Chrome extensions, I think this is an older blog you did. But, you know, even some of those are like, yeah, those are so, such great ideas. Um, do you have others that you want to mention that you could share? 
yeah, that you've I run across? I love, I love Chrome extensions. I think I just posted on my Instagram page just a very easy Zoom tip about adding the um, using the add-on. Um, what you have to do is you go to Google uh, Marketplace and there is an add-on for the Zoom. And you can just embed it right into your calendar. So you, when you create a meeting, um, all you have to do is click the drop down of where you want to meet. Do you want to meet in Google Meet or in in Zoom? Easy. So you don't have to copy and paste the, your Zoom link into your email every time. It's just those little shortcuts are just life saving to me yeah. um, for time. Um, so I love that. Um, another. Um, tip I have for Google in general is I do a lot of um, adding time zone preferences in my calendar. And so I have it set up. So in the sidebar, it shows any time zone that I'm working in. So right now I'm in mm-hmm. East and Central. So I have those um, times showing and then I label them. So I have Boothby labeled for one and then Stacy labeled for one. <laughs> so when I'm going to schedule my meetings, I just double check really quick that I'm setting it up in the right time zone. I can't tell you how many times I accidentally sent the the wrong meeting time when I knew it was right. you know, 1230. Mm-hmm. That, that's something that I feel like people don't talk enough about in <laughs> <telepractice>. <laughs> the the pain of different time zones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to ask, right? <laughs> but right. Yep. Um, yeah, those, I mean, those are probably tips that a lot of people know, but if you're not doing it, you definitely should um, do that. Um, sometimes I create email templates and save it. Um, for example, if you have a standard email that you send out to teachers with a link to your teacher input form, go ahead and create a template for that. And then you just copy the template right into your email and reuse it every time. Um, that's a great one. I kind of fell into the love of Bitmoji classrooms. I don't know if you've kind of seen the the big hip about with Bitmoji classrooms, but I created a virtual office actually because I'm not seeing um, students right now, but it's just fantastic. You create it in Google, you share it, you throw in your cute little Bitmoji and you can link whatever you want in it. So I had an amazing clinician that had an elaborate Bitmoji classroom. Now they do take time. They have templates on teacher pay teacher that you can create. But what I love is that you can just pull it up and link, you know, websites for different games. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a one-stop shop. So you have links to in your Bitmoji classroom for any, you know, quick resources that you want to access during your therapy session. Um, So you might want to do, you know, maybe you have a Uno website or um, Wheel of Names is a great one that I've linked before. Whatever it might be, you can link it in there and just kind of saves you time with your planning and prepping as well which is really fun. And they're super cute. (laughs) I like that. And you've also shared some tips lately about setting up your physical office um, to kind of like, you know, if you know that you're going to be there all the time, some tips with that, what are some things that you've done? Yeah. So of course I have a pretty large second monitor that's essential. Um, One thing, and then, you know, of course your laptop, I have a couple external hard drives that I save both my personal and my professional um, information on those. Now, when I say professional, I don't mean IEP reports or anything with that has confidential information. I'm meaning like my therapy resources that I use in my session. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because I have so much of it digitally. I back it up on my external hard drives and then also sometimes on Google Drive as well for a, an online storage resource. And then my headset, um, two things that I've added recently to my office is a stand-up desk. Um, so when I'm really working and into things, I'm sitting at my desk um, typing away and using my larger monitor. But if I'm you know, calling into a meeting or I'm just answering emails, something where I feel that I can tackle a lot of work standing up, it has just been really nice to be a little bit more mobile. And I would also recommend getting a portable monitor. I'm going a little overboard right now. These mm-hmm. are outside the essentials. <laughs> but um, sure. with traveling and being, if you're a teletherapist and you're going to go, you know, across the town to work at from your mom's house or you just get displaced from your actual office space, having a por- second monitor that's portable is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. You can move around your house maybe. Um, I listened to a... I think it was a mind, oh, what was it? A, a mindfulness podcast or a, a just a webinar, actually, a mindfulness webinar. And they said that if changing your work location, if you're working remotely, can increase productivity. So if you want to take your computer and your portable monitor and navigate around the house a little bit more just to get a fresh mm-hmm. look of um, scenery, I've done that as well. So just a little like tip. If you're looking for a new monitor and you maybe want to get a portable one, I, I they're they're on Amazon. I think the starting price point is I think around a hundred dollars, but they look just like an iPad, so they yeah. fold really flat. That's they're nice. amazing. There's a lot of times where I've been like, I don't want to sit at my desk anymore, but I need all of my screens. Yes. <laughs> and right. even this week, um, my kids were out of school, but I wasn't. I had went um, back to work earlier than they went back to school. And I was thinking about, you know, staying at my mom's house. And I was like, oh, but I have a valuation coming up and I need all of my screens for right. to do an evaluation. <laughs> so I ended up coming back um, earlier. But that's a good idea to have that portable screen. Yeah, And I, I was going to say, I laugh at myself because like when I did my t- first teletherapy session, it was just like plopping down at a table with my 13 inch laptop. And now I'm like, I have three screens. I have a gamer chair with a headrest and a <laughs> lumbar support and a footrest. And I'm like, I don't know how I can go back. So that'd be my warning. <laughs> if you're going to upgrade, know that you may never be able to go back. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We can talk essentials and then we can talk about like the Cadillac of like, right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, you certainly can keep adding things to your office. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that. You know, I can see your wine bar there. It's, you know, that, that's another great uh, addition you can add. In, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just out of reach, you know, just you know, out of, out of camera range. <laughs> Absolutely. So I did learn a random fact, like if I don't know if you knew this, but if you have an iPad and a Mac, I'm a Mac user, that you can set your iPad up as a second monitor. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I just learned that. Mm -hmm. I do it all the time. Yeah. I think I knew that it went the other direction that you could like mirror your iPad to your computer, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if I knew that either, that you could use it as a second monitor. Without any, just extend your 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 displays under the display setting. Yeah, nice, nice. And now with 
I don't know if it's with the 14, uh, the iPhone 14. Isn't, I don't know if it's this is available on previous models, but you can use your your iPhone as a webcam. Oh, that's amazing! And so now you know they're they're some of the um, like Logitech and some of those companies are are making these little brackets where you can put your phone on top of your monitor and then it can become a webcam. I love you know. this. In a pinch, if you don't have a webcam, yeah. <laughs> you could yeah. use it as a webcam. <laughs> yeah, or if something happens. Very cool. I love yeah. all these little techy stuff. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, great. Well, Stacy, I don't know if you, when you were on before, you didn't, did you do our moment of Zen? I don't think you did. I don't think I did. I think it was pre-moment of pre, Zen. Pre-Zen. <laughs> you oh. are, you so with our moment of Zen, we have three different lists of questions. This is just a, a way to get to know our guests a little bit more. Um, we have three different lists of questions, list A, B, and C. And we ask our guests to pick a list, list A, B, or C. Which one do you? I am going to do B. I don't know what it is. It's like everyone is choosing B. <laughs> they just pick the middle. <laughs> like go in the middle. I can change if you want to. No, ask. no, no. Nope. It's fine. It's, it's a good fine. one. It's a good one. It's okay. a good one. Yes. So, first question is: Would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? Um, I would say an extrovert. An extrovert. Mm. Okay. Good. Uh. Second question, what's the best compliment you've received? Oh, you know, I think it was when I left um, Pearson as a manager. Um, just in general, some of my providers just had some very kind things to say as I left and, and that I really made a difference for them in their current role. So that's the one I can think of most recent. Awesome. That's great. Next question is, who has been the most influential person in your life and how did he or she impact you? Oh, this is a great question. And I feel like I just want to say my husband um, has really been a positive influence for me because he just keeps me grounded. He keeps things um, real and keeps things like he puts things into perspective. So if I'm really kind of stressing out about something, he he reminds me about what life is truly about, you know, and that we should just embrace the simple things in life and the moments that matter are family. And, and I've always been a family person, but he just has a way of just bringing it all together. He's very simple. And um, so he's just really been good for me in that manner. Awesome. Right. Next question. What do people misunderstand most about you? Hmm. Okay, I have to think about this one. So I think I can be very quiet and shy and reserved. So I think that when, pe and I'm like very nice, <laughs> if you, people don't ever think I get upset or, or, or whatnot. And so I think that can be misperceived as um, kind of a pushover, if that makes sense. <laughs> sure. And it's and just not, not true. I'm just right. not. <laughs> Everyone, she's not a pushover. She's yeah. just quiet. 
I can make things happen. I'm assertive. <laughs> there you go. And nice. And nice. Nice but assertive. Yeah. Next question is, what's something surprising that you've learned about yourself? Mm. Something surprising that I've learned about myself. You know, I think that just how far I've come, I think, as in my career, it's just really Mm -hmm. looking back, um, just from when I first started being a speech therapist, I mean, to think that I would have a blog and be on podcasts and, and just have a passion that I have it, it's, it's kind of surreal and exciting and, and surprising. (laughs) I would have never anticipated that. That's awesome. Um, do you have a favorite quote or motto? Mm. Um, so my favorite quote is if you want to change the world, go home and love your children. Uh, uh-huh. Interesting. I love That's that good. One. And I just think it's so true. Like it starts in mm-hmm. right inside the walls of your home, loving your kids and your family, and then they'll hopefully go out into the world and um, share that as well. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that. How do you define success? Mm, I think I define success by um, relationships and the people around me in general. I really take a lot of value in in friendships and building up strong colleagues and mm-hmm. having trust in the people that I work with. And that's just one of the most important things um, that I value is being able to be trusted by people, respected, and also just being having good relationships. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, next question. What's the best advice a mentor ever gave you about work or life? Hmm. About work or life. I don't know. This one's hard. Nothing's popping to my mind. Um, But I just feel like don't sweat the small stuff is coming Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. popping right into my mind, you know? Um, Yeah. That's a good one. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you have a work or life hack that you could share? This could mean, could be anything. Could be something around the house or anything at all? I think I use Alexa a lot for timers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. my favorite life hack um, that my son missed the bus or almost missed the bus one day for, from, for school. And from that day, we set timers for when he needs to get on the bus or I set a timer um, for whatever it might be because <laughs> we mm-hmm. get busy. So that is, that's my favorite I'm sure everyone uses it. It's not super innovative, but it's a lifesaver for me. Sure. That's good. The 15 minute cleanup is my life saving hack that I use our Google to set the timer. We just, I told him, I don't care what you get done. We just got to clean for 15 minutes. Right. (laughs) Makes it much better. (laughs) That's good. Last question. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you enter the pearly gates? Oh, this is a great one. I think it kind of goes along with what I said before about, you know, building relationships, you know, and um, just 
making people feel important and special. I've always wanted to be that person that when someone walks into the room that you feel like you're the most important person in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. So I have that impact on people and that also I just, you know, served his purpose, you know, whatever he put me on this earth to do, I did it and um, I did it well. So. Well, we, we think you're doing it very well. So uh, Stacy, thank you for joining us on the podcast and uh, best of luck with everything that you're doing. And uh, please come back uh, again, not another year and a half or two years, but sooner than that. And, uh, and catch us up on what you're doing. Sounds great. Thank you. It was great catching up with Stacy Pfaff, and we really appreciate her coming back. It has been quite a while since we chatted with her way back when we first launched the podcast, probably in those first 10 to 20 episodes. Uh, we were uh, so two years or so since we've talked to her. So I'm glad she's doing well. Check out My Teletherapy Room. That's the blog that she has. She has great ideas. And she told us that she's going to be adding more content there. So My Teletherapy Room. Google it. It'll come up. Go check it out. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Telepractice Today. We really appreciate you as a listener and all the support you've given us and you continue to give us. If you don't mind, leave us that five-star review. That helps us to attract new listeners and write a little something, if you don't mind. Uh, that helps us as well. Say what you like about the podcast. Say what we need to work on. Still give us that five-star review, though, and uh, we will take a look at it. Um, we really appreciate you. So until next week, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network. 